Hi everyone, I'm Abby Feeder, Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is almost never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. You are in for such a treat today. Anybody that's ever been curious about the woo-woo, the witchery, the reiki, the potential to speak to those in other realms. I believe so strongly in many facets of this side of the universe and my very dear friend Gillian Sacre is going to join us today. Gillian went through her own insane fertility journey which she will share a lot of heartbreak and a lot of loss and a lot of joy as well. And along the way, she became very in tune with her healing side. You would never look at her and think, oh, this is an incredible healer. But I call her the good witch. I do think she's a witch. She helped me through so many of my losses, so many things that were going on with my body during my fertility journey. And she still continues to help me to this day. So I cannot wait for you to hear her. Even if you're not open to this sort of thing, just give it a minute, start listening, and I guarantee you are going to be completely engaged by her story and what she can do. Enjoy. Here's Gillian. Hi, Gillian. Hi, Abby. Welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. It's hard. The, the closer you know somebody who you're interviewing, the harder it is to stay focused on topic because there is mm-hmm. such a wealth of information that you can and will and should share, but also I want to keep it focused. So you know what that means. Multiple what? episodes. That's right. This will be part one of 20. <laughs> exactly. Could be. It could seriously could be. Um, well, you went on an incredible journey to your family. And I definitely yeah. want to talk about that. And then I really want to talk about the spiritual work you do. I like mm-hmm. to call you the good witch. I'm not sure you like that, but it's what I tell I like people. It. Yeah. You are a witch in the best possible way. And you have helped me through so many things, but specifically my fertility journey. So I'd like to talk about, why don't we start with your fertility journey? And then if that influenced how this work came to be, we can get into how and why you're doing this work. But it is, you are such a godsend. Like I can't, it, I just, I w- if I could have you on like a, a thing where I just pushed a button and you guide me, I would do that. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tell we'll us see, a little you know, about how you AI. got. Yeah. AI. <laughs> Gillian AI, um, how did you get to your beautiful family? You have two boys mm-hmm. and a husband. Mm-hmm. And tell yes. me a little bit about how that started, how your journey started. Okay. Well, uh, my journey started with it not starting, I think, which is what I have in common with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I was married for quite a while when we decided to uh, start our family and so intentionally did you know yeah, you wanted to wait a while mm-hmm. well I think so I think we just had things that we needed to do and I think also you know <laughs> to be quite honest I was never somebody who thought I was going to be married so then it was funny to me at a certain point that I actually was married you know and then <laughs> I wasn't ever anybody that I thought was going to have kids for the longest time not that I'm like oh I'm not going to have kids I just had never really I don't know, looked into that part of myself. So, but really it was, you know, coming to terms with, okay, you know, there's that clock and we should probably do this now if we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we became pregnant and, you know, lost that one first trimester, lost another one first trimester, lost another one first trimester. Okay, wait, and, wait, wait, wait. Let's yeah. not skip past those. So when you lost one, was it, did it make you more or less or same determined to keep going? Were you like, oh, maybe this isn't in the cards for me? Or were you like, oh, we have to now work harder to make this happen? I was determined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, I, at that point, I thought, okay, just could be one of nature's hiccups. Mm-hmm. Let's keep moving. Okay. And then the second um, one happened. And, and how did that feel? Other than um, awful. <clears throat> yeah, I think similar it was a little troubling, but I, you know, was very just steadfast and focused like, okay, that's two doesn't make a pattern. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh huh. And then and three. Then, yeah. Number three is when I really started thinking, okay. Uh, yeah. Something yeah. Going on. 
Right. Something's going on. And to be quite honest, you know, remembering back, I have to put the pieces together because for me as a person, I tend to shut out painful periods of my life. So remembering all of the details is a little, is a little tricky, you know? Of course. Of course. They can be minimal. They can be minimal. I'm not trying to uh, do some kind of exercise where you. Sure. Sure. And I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm actually not trying to deflect and I don't mind talking about it at all. It's just, you know, sometimes the space in between, you know, I don't remember exactly, except that this is weird. Things aren't working. Um, I believe there was a period of time there, maybe like six months then that then I became pregnant again and we made it through that first trimester. So then I thought, Mm. great, finally here we are on the path Mm. and everything appeared to be fine was going well. Um, And then it was at 21 weeks that I was at work and I felt something happening that I knew wasn't right. Mm. And I, how graphic do you want me to be? (laughs) Graphic as you'd like. You can be totally graphic. I went yeah. the, into the restroom where I was working and I, I felt, you know, up underneath myself because I'm like, this is weird. I don't understand what this feeling is. And I, I felt the embryonic sac coming out. I'm like, mm. oh, my God. So um, uh, I lie down on the floor and I hollered for people to help me and they called an ambulance and I went to the hospital, which was where um, my daughter then was born who they this is a tough one oh boy take your time where i was oof this is tough where i was told that she was too young for them to do any life-saving measures i'm so sorry yeah so anyway we held her in our arms while she passed and uh (laughs) that was rough so it was weird you know then all of a sudden you're you know different people coming into the room, you know, all the time, you know, you just didn't expect to be there and this whole thing transpiring. And then you're kind of still there sort of recovering a bit and people coming in to talk to you about making, you know, cremation and plans and Mm. things like that. It was, it was shocking to say the least. Of course. So anyway, um, we moved through that. That was a tough one. And did you, did, did your husband make it to the hospital in time to be there with you for all of that? Um, yeah, it's so weird. He was actually out of town and he raced back into town, um, and got there really just in time to be there with me mm. to hold her. Mm. Yeah. And how did, how did that fare on you guys at that time? That was tough. I think we definitely had, you know, PTSD from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think at that point we did any therapy. I think we just were shell shocked, and uh, and I think kind of slipped into a zone of I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. Just trying to get back, you know, into work, Mm -hmm. time moving on. And Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was a while before, well, a while only meaning months Mm -hmm. um, before, you know, we were willing to try again. And And did they ever diagnose? Was it ever anything to able to diagnose? Well, there was nothing wrong with her. And so Mm -hmm. basically they didn't know if it was this, you know, the thing called the incompetent cervix. And so Mm. um, I became pregnant a year later. And um, at that point, then they gave me a cerclage. So I switched doctors at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just that I, I just need, not that there was anything wrong with my doctor, but I just needed a change. Like I needed a whole framework going on here. New energy, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so. An incompetent cervix for anybody who doesn't know, it has to do with the size of your cervix. It's like shorter than it's supposed to be. And so it, right. It prevents 
uh, proper development in terms of where the placenta is and how much space the baby is. So when they know that it might be an issue, like you said, they can preemptively treat it. Right. They basically sew it shut. Right. So yeah. that it can't, it can provide the support it needs to provide. Exactly. Oh, actually, you know what? I have to trace back. I actually didn't change my doctor at that that point. I actually did that after what happened next, the next mm -hmm. chapter. So yeah. <laughs> the next <laughs> chapter was pregnant again. Um, and we did the cerclage and, uh, and everything was great. Uh, I had a normal pregnancy and the baby was growing beautifully. I don't, I don't remember being super worried about it. I just remember taking each day at a time being like, okay, mm -hmm. now we've made it through this. Okay. You know, you're getting a little bit farther into it feeling like, okay, now we're kind of into the safe zone. All right. Okay. We can finally have that baby shower mm -hmm. um, at 38 weeks. And it mm -hmm. was my, my doctor's appointment after the baby shower where I'm like, something's not right. And she I was so crazy I'm there with my giant belly. And she's, you know, with the ultrasound feeling around and she keeps feeling around and she keeps feeling around and, and it's, there's no heartbeat. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was bad. And my husband was out of town at that point. He was in Canada, I believe. Yeah. So he, it took a lot longer to get home. Yeah. And, um, and you had to so labor anyway, and, and deliver, right? Yeah. She induced, we went right to the hospital and she induced and I, yeah, delivered my seemingly what should have been a perfectly healthy uh, boy. Yeah. Mm. Just lacking so the spark of life. And now yes. you're left at home with all these things that you've gotten from your baby shower. Oh God, it was awful. And planning another, you know, cremation, you know, what do you do? Like, you know, naming children that like never and got you name? children. Oh did yeah. You I name? named my daughter. Yeah. And, and my and son. And your son as I well. mean, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're a yeah. being. I get it. I get that. They are, and, do, and I have actually yeah. felt them around me since then. Hmm. Yeah, more. we'll get more into that too. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> I wish I could say uh, like, and then and after that, everything was smooth sailing, but it was not. So let's keep going. Right. So yes, yeah, so uh, we shut the door on the room, on the baby's room, and I didn't open it for, I know, well over a year. Just refused to open mm -hmm. the door. Shut all that stuff away. Shut turned off from trying, uh, took a trip, took a couple trips just to change the focus. Um, it was a tough time because a lot of people didn't know how to react. You know, pe people that we knew were really heartbroken. Um, a lot of, you know, then come the, the helpful suggestions of why don't you stop trying? Mm. Have you thought about adopting? Can we just um, be clear that there's sarcasm? These are actually not helpful suggestions. I just want to make yeah. sure everyone's clear about yeah. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's difficult. Because people don't know what to say, right? They don't. They really don't. They don't. And they're hurting too, which is what I realize now. Um, I know at least as far as my mom was concerned, I... <laughs> <laughs> I remember that she called and she was in tears like, I don't know what to do. Why does this keep happening? And I'm like consoling my mother through this thinking, okay. <laughs> Something's terribly <laughs> off here. Yeah. 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 We're having a role mm -hmm. reversal here. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's so hard um, because they are hurting and you're like, get your support from someone that's not me. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm, so, and so I tend hard. to be someone that goes inside anyway. I'm not, it's hard, tough for me to talk about it with people or for something mm. big like that. And yeah. it was, I didn't really realize it at the time, but um, it was devastating to my relationship or my marriage in, in deep ways that I think well, we'll, well, both we'll of us that. <laughs> tend to be introverts a little bit. Uh, emotionally. And so I think, you know, dealing, yeah, yeah. Just dealing with, dealing with that kind of trauma along with somebody, very tricky, very challenging. 
Was your husband able to hold that second baby or because the Canada piece, he didn't get back? I mean, obviously he wasn't back in time for you to have to go through what you went through physically in the hospital. Did he ever get a chance to have closure there physically touch the baby? Gosh, I'm trying to remember if he did. I feel Mm -hmm. like he did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he came back right away and I think we waited Mm -hmm. so that he could see him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So- You shut the door for a year at least. You travel a little bit. And I are shut you the and your husband for four years? For four years. Have were you talking yeah. about it or were you just like, let's just keep pretending like everything's normal and figure out what's next? Yeah, I think we didn't talk about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, we I know that things come up. I tend to process in bursts of of my for myself, you know bursts of realizations, bursts of expressing frustrations about things, you know, so that it helps me figure out where I am with something. Um, So I wouldn't say like, oh, it was off limits uh, by any means, but I think it it was, we weren't really talking about what we were going to do next. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of processing what had happened. Um, And I'm sure my husband did more listening to me than actually being able to express what was going on with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, so you take this four-year break, and how does it come up again? It comes up again through some sort of realization that I was having that maybe there's another way. And I think it it really started with some articles that I was reading about surrogacy. Mm. Um, It just got me thinking. That's all. It just got me thinking and I'd read more about it. And for me, when something comes up, uh, there's just a certain feeling that comes up for me that is a little like, okay, I think this is appearing to be the thing I need to do whatever that means. Like I, you know, it's like, I'm, it's like a breadcrumb. I start following these little breadcrumbs. Oh, well, what about that? Well, what does that mean? Well, maybe this mm-hmm. is a way, well, you know, it's like trying to assess like, well, what, you know, is it the vessel? Is it the vessel that's holding it? That's the problem. What's going on? By the way, nothing came up as far as being wrong mm-hmm. with my son at all. You know, nothing at all. That they Do they know what out. caused it? Do they know what was it? Oh, no. Nothing. Oh God, that's no. so hard. Like he, too, he to literally process. looked no. like this beautiful, healthy baby. It was the weirdest thing. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we're getting through to a happier ending. So. I know. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yes. So the and for whatever reason, um, we together couldn't get. The adoption part wasn't something that I know my husband wasn't willing to entertain it. And the using somebody else's eggs, we were a little just, I don't know, we just weren't there yet. I think every mm-hmm. all of these decisions become a, a matter of a process, like trying something if that doesn't work. Okay, well, now look at these options. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, okay, well, well there's, you know, I've, the eggs have been good so far. They've actually mm-hmm. done sort of, I mean, whatever, like we've created, what if we just change where they live, where they, mm-hmm. you know, grow. So that was the thinking with that. And so I would say it was definitely more my mission. I found out later and not so much a shared vision lesson um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to actually go to India. Cause I thought in India, well, number one, that was where we could afford to do it. And number two, I really felt that that it would really help an Indian woman a whole lot who was willing to do this. It would be such a monumental. To be a surrogate specifically. Yes, to be a surrogate and also like the money that she would get would be a, make a huge change in her life. So, but, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go through these things really carefully. So it was, you know. Like, how do you find the right people to do this mm-hmm. and, you know, be your guide through it and, and, and to hook up with the right person and make sure it's not some shady operation, you know, right. where people are being taken advantage of. So, you know, it, it took time and, but mm-hmm. it was really, 
uh, it was a monumental effort, but we ended up going there and then basically engaging with a hospital there to do the, you know, it, it's, certainly it's the same thing that you're doing for in, um, fertility treatments where, you know, taking the hormones, creating the, um, the follicles. Mm -hmm. all, yeah. And all of that. And so <laughs> and let me just say doing it in, in another country is just added to mm. a very sure. interesting adventure. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you <laughs> yeah, were there together really at this point, right? Yep. We were there together. So we, we went there. It was actually a little shaky because uh, we'd had a breakdown in our relationship right before. Um, but to be honest, I said I was going to go anyway. So. Mm -hmm. um, so you were there. So we were there. And then he came. But then he, but then he showed up, right? Like at the airport. Well, no, literally. I came. I, no, no. He, came, he yeah. actually came before, you know, we okay. decided to, to go together and went there and went through this process. And, uh, and a funny thing was, is that I, while we were there, very early on in this, uh, we were going from where we were staying to somewhere else. And this driver that we had, you basically take a taxi everywhere. It's like, hey, do you want to check out this really beautiful, um, well-known uh, temple over here? You know, it's this big, beautiful yellow temple off to the side. And we said, sure. So we went in and it was absolutely gorgeous. And somebody just happened to say, oh, you know, if you go over here, here's this like guy that you can ask questions to, you know, you give your little offering, the the puja and what have you. And then you go over and you can ask this guy a question. And it ended up being this really cute monk with these glasses. He took us over to the side on a balcony. He says, okay, so what's your question? And, and I think he might've even said like, this is, is this about a baby? And I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. tell us about right. the baby. And he looks up and he says, 2010. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Well, it's 2009. No. So <laughs> that, that doesn't help me. Thank you wow. very much. Okay. Wow. You, you know. must be totally psychic. Wow. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, we went through the whole process there and it ended up and we got eggs and we, we actually worked with this really beautiful family where, um, and we got to know this family. So it was a husband and wife and they already had two boys they weren't going to have any more children of their own, but she had had this inclination that she wanted to do this for, for somebody. She wanted to do this for somebody who needed it. And she'd always had this idea, something in her mind telling her like there's some connection with America, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we used her and anyway, it didn't take, it ended up that that didn't work out once we were back home. So mm -hmm. we were then faced with the prospect of what we were going to do then. And we ended up going back, you know, trying again. Same family, uh, same family, mm -hmm. same batch of embryos. Did you have embryos left over at that point? Uh, we went back and we did new ones. You did new ones. Um, okay. Yeah. We did new ones. And at that po point, we switched where we were because the first time we were in Hyderabad and she had come up there. And this time we went to Bangalore, which is where she lived, just mm -hmm. so she could be close to the home and not have to stress about travel and be with her family. And so, yeah. And it was nice because then we went to a lot of, you know, beautiful temples and places with her and with the family, um, mm -hmm. which was just, it was a beautiful time. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, we went through the whole process again and um, then we left because, you know, I ha we have to leave it, you know, you do it and then you leave and find out what happens later. Mm -hmm. So we had the whole extraction uh, process there. Sometimes I get the lingo mixed up. You'll correct me if I say sure. something. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. And what, so in the end, what ended up happening was those eggs didn't take with her that time either mm. um but i ended up pregnant from that mm. trip and mm. that ended up being my son who came in 2010 mm -hmm. <laughs> and what was that pregnancy like for you was it terror i mean i know you didn't know you were pregnant for quite a while because you thought this is not possible so i assume you stopped paying any attention to it <laughs> 
Um, but what, what did, was it anxiety ridden the entire time? What was it like? Yes. I would say it was until I got help. And, um, I mean, I think we were all shell shocked, my husband, mm -hmm. myself, and our dog who had been with us through everything. And she could mm -hmm. tell that I was pregnant and she was just a shaking mess about it all mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, she would live through all of the heartbreak afterward, sure. you know, and she just mm -hmm. ugh, taking on all of, all of that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was, it was nerve wracking. Um, you know, it's sort of, you want to believe you're not sure whether you should believe um, it was tricky. And then somebody kind of a little bit out of the blue that I knew said, Hey, I, I think I'm supposed to give you the information about this woman. I said, great, I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. And so it was someone who did acupuncture, but also did uh, this work to help you release emotions uh, about things. And what it was is that we were able to identify this the emotions that were running around in my body that were a lot of, you know, anxiety, stress, fear, unable to trust and, and all of that and just systematically go through and release them from running through my energetic meridian system so that I could be different. My concern was, is I didn't want a baby growing in this energy field that was filled with fear. Mm hmm. So I was willing to do anything to get some help for that. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being profoundly helpful um, and opened my eyes to uh, just looking at myself and the world and the, the world of energy and our emotions and how we how we care them and how we physically they're working on us and how we can act. We don't have to be um, a prisoner to them as well. Mm. And so mm. she helped me tremendously through that so that I could get to the place where I was actually, uh, I don't know if I'd say trusting the process, but I was at peace with the process. You could go forward with it. It wasn't debilitating. Mm. That's right. Yeah, that's mm. right. And every day I wasn't walking around in trauma, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but my dog was. And what was mm -hmm. great is that I asked, can I, can we do this work on my dog? Will it work? And, and she said, yeah. And so we started doing some sessions on my dog and she mm -hmm. started getting relief. I could really see, oh gosh, this is so interesting that this really helps her. Um, mm -hmm. And so I started learning how to do it for her so that I could help, help her every time, anytime I saw her going to the crazy place. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's could part work on about her. How. Yeah. And my husband would go and also get some help because he needed to process this stuff yeah. as well. So it was fantastic. And so tell me about baby two, and then we'll get back into how this energy work changed your life. So baby two, I had baby one in June and then baby, I was pregnant with baby two in December. Uh, I think early <laughs> December late. Yeah. And you know, also a surprise. Well, one of us was trying. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm like, you know, okay. why yeah. don't we see what happens? I mean, maybe we're on a roll. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And it works. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. And, and he was robust and healthy and yeah. So I had, one in 2010 and one in 2011 and and yes and that was and then you closed plenty. up shop yeah, yeah that was plenty yeah yeah wow Brilliant. and i think i think sometimes we don't i guess i still personally though i'm on the other side it's not easy for me to let go of how i got here and yeah. what I went through to get here. I think for some people it is once you get what you want, you mm. don't need to process that piece of it anymore. Do you feel like it still impacts your relationship and your everyday life? Well, it is certainly a part of who I am without a doubt. It changed me, changed me as a person. It changed my world outlook, outlook and it, it, gave me a much, much deeper level of compassion for other people that I didn't have. 
So mm-hmm. for that, it's always with me. Um, and, you know, we went to therapy after, uh, yeah, we were in therapy while I was in that first pregnancy too. So that was certainly helpful um, mm-hmm. for, for us as a couple. But I would say for me, I, I still keep a lot of it with me, but I don't necessarily keep the trauma of it with me. Um, Cause I did so much of that, of, of just the releasing of that stuff. But like, you could tell, like the minute I went to talk to you, you know, I'm, I still yeah. am somehow still traumatized by of people course. telling me, you know, there's no point in trying to save your daughter. So, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, I wow. wouldn't, expect, I wouldn't expect you not to be traumatized by that. And it's the morning of a, it's morning of a loss. So every time that loss comes yeah. up, it could be anyone that you loved or was in your family or you yeah. thought would be a part of your future. You're triggered oh, yeah. to, to release that, you know? Right. And I, and I, Oof. you know, it does not, um, it does not, what's the right phrase anyway. It's comes up for me a lot sometimes that I had a daughter that I don't have. Yeah. Not that I love Did my you, boys any less, of course. Oh, of course. You guys, you are, you have a beautifully loving family and you're very close. What did you do with the, did you cremate? Yes. And did you keep, did they give some sort of physical manifestation of that cremation mm-hmm. that you still have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think someday I'll, we'll do put them, but I'm just not sure. Like I still, I'm like, I'm not sure where, mm-hmm. like if it, I think what gets me sometimes is I don't know that I'm staying here. So then what is that? <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, whatever. When the time is right, the time will be right. Yeah. Yeah. You have them. So. Yeah. So let's transition into this energy work that you do. Um, okay. Because I know that this your journey was how this came into your life, but also when you explain what it is that you do, clearly it was a gift you were born with and you maybe didn't harness until it was shown to you. And by the way, just for anybody listening, in addition to Gillian helping me through several of my pregnancy losses, she helped me when my dog transitioned out of this world and into the next. And I have since recommended her to many people for that specific service. And they're like, I don't get it. She's a, a pet whisperer. I don't get it. She's a she's a dog psychic, and I can't explain it. But she does know how to communicate with this piece of the beings in the world, and it is freaking amazing. So I just have to say that. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I yeah. never knew that that was something that I could do until it developed, and and it was just something that certainly started with this energy work with my dog that I started doing, mm-hmm. but. But that and the continual learning and investigating and the curiosity that I couldn't get enough of this, that I wanted to know more, um, started really to unlock uh, abilities to connect that I'd, I'd, I, I'm, I think everybody can do this. Mm. Pretty sure everybody can do this. And I just think I was stubborn and pushed my way through. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody <laughs> can do it, for the record. No, okay. I do not think everybody can do it. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Um, I mean, I think that there's levels of intuition and and ways that you can train yourself, but you have to really want to do it, I think, to pursue doing it. And, you know, I have that desire at the outset, but not the desire to like do the work to channel that piece of myself. And and you did that work and it's, it's incredible. So how did the journey... Well, first of all, what do you say that you are? If somebody's like, well, what kind of work do you do? Because it's complicated. It is complicated. I think the thing I'm probably the most comfortable saying is that I'm an intuitive. I'm mm-hmm. an energetic intuitive. So yeah, I can I have healing energy that I work with, you know, that I'm able to share. And then that that does its thing with people and animals. But I also am able to access information that's available to us. And that's really where that real intuitive component comes in. And where do you access it from? Where is it coming from? (laughs) You know, that's a funny thing, really, because a lot of people I feel do the same thing or are describing the same thing, but they describe it differently. Mm. 
So people will say you're just uh, accessing the unified field and that's where all the information is. And some people will just say you're accessing source. And I don't know that anything isn't correct about all of that. But for me, I actually, it has developed with, to me working with guides. Mm -hmm. So how that came about for me, do you want to know? I do. So how that came about is I, one of the things that I started to do, I had already learned about releasing these emotions and different things from the body and the energetic body. So I went ahead and I learned how to do Reiki and went through all the Reiki training with that. And I would work with animals and I would work with people. And I was at somebody's house where I would work on both her dogs and work on her as well. And so I was, she was, you know, on the table that I have. I traveled to her place. Can I, I was ask working on her to have. Oh, yes. Sorry. Can you, how do you define Reiki for someone who might not know what it is? Well, Reiki is, um, Reiki is a system of energetic channeling, really, that was, I don't want to say created, but it was sort of, uh, what's called in, there was this man, Dr. Yasui, who sat on a hill in Japan and channeled in this information. And it has to do with using some symbols uh, so that you can guide the work in a particular way. And a lot of people use it uh, just as it, it, if you think of a really common way and a simple way of looking at it is you've you have learned how to open yourself up to life force energy, which is abundant around us and being able to have it run through you and you can direct it toward someone or something. Mm -hmm. And then that energy has its own intelligence and can do what needs to be done. In essence, you don't really need to tell it what to do. It's going to be beneficial no matter what's going on. Okay. So that's Amazing. that it, I think at its core. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were working on someone, this woman with two dogs. Yeah. And I, she was on the table and I was working up around her head and I just sometimes when it's, you know, the person has their eyes closed. And so it allows me time to, to a kind of like just investigate the space around. And I had this feeling of this presence over in the corner of the room, just all of a sudden was there that, Oh, that's really interesting. And I just kind of stayed with it and it continued to be there. And I, with my eyes that we have here, I looked over there and there is nothing there at all. But with my sensory perception, that was an angel. It was this giant Mm. angel over there. (laughs) And, uh, but almost like in shadow, you know, not, not necessarily like the pictures of an angel that we see. It was almost like, you know, just the form and, and, clothes but there and the, a huge huge presence and so I started asking questions about this because um, I use a, a yes or no method of asking questions using kinesiology and you know and I and when I ask questions like I ask questions I change the question I try to trick it all I want to make sure I get the right answer <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So like, every time it's like question. it's an angel. <laughs> right. So you're asked when you ask these questions, you're asking whatever this, whatever you identify this to be, source, universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. because you are tuning in, you can get an answer from mm-hmm. source, universe, whatever it might be. And it's a yes mm-hmm. or no based on the way that you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because you that's find also out, the yes. work that I do with people. Like that's a lot mm-hmm. of how I figure out what it is for them that needs to be addressed, accessed, and released is that same Mm -hmm. system of checking Mm -hmm. out what the higher source is saying needs to happen for them. So yeah, it was an angel. Turned out to be Gabriel. Turns out to be um, really the angel that uh, oversees really me, like my well-being more so than the other angels. Um, That's something I find different angels really work with different people more Mm -hmm. so 
which is kind of, you can access any of them, but there seems to be a particular link with a specific one for, for people, for most people anyway. Now, listen, I didn't grow up with, talking with angels at all. So this was totally new. I frankly, like it was a long time for me to really embrace this. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. it was, I even felt weird to tell my husband, I was like, honey, guess what happened at the office? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I'm sitting there and this angel comes in. I know. Crazy. But it was huge right. and it, and it, and it was, uh, the beginning into a new area where, um, guides, I was working with guides and Gabriel was my guide for working with people. And then I started really accessing him just for life in general, you know, asking questions, well, what about this? And trying to gain understanding about things. And that led to working with other angels. And that also led to working with other guides. And it's mm -hmm. just been an incredible, mind-blowing, um, revelation ever since. Mm. And let's talk about, let's give exam some of examples of things that mm -hmm. you are able to get to work by doing this work, right? Like okay. I'm thinking, you know, for my dog, for example, mm -hmm. you were able to tell me when she was telling you that she was ready to go yeah. from this earth. And so like, what does that look like for you? So I know, I know physically, cause I've seen what you do for this work, mm -hmm. but you tune in to the person or animal mm -hmm. that you're working with. So in my case, it would have been my dog Wheezy. And <laughs> you, what do you ask the guides? Do you talk directly to Wheezy? It's different depending on the situation with Wheezy. I had so much contact with her that I felt really connected to her and I could, but I always, I always have the guidance. So for me, I always incorporate <clears throat> higher knowledge, whether it's a guide or just being connected into that source energy, because mm -hmm. I, I always want to feel like it's not relying on me. I'm, I'm merely an interpreter. Do it, basically. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because I never mm. want to feel like it's my ego saying, well, I know this to be true. And that's why I'm constantly checking what I do is like, well, is this, is this the truth or is this the truth? So I'll get from Wheezy a picture, mm. a feeling. I might get a phrase and then I, I check to make sure that that's correct that what I got is actually what she's saying, what she means, you know, what she wants to say or communicate. That's how that works for me. But, and it's different with every uh, person, creature, you know, animal, but she, she became really good at commu her communication skills. Right. She me. knew you were a safe space basically. Yeah. Yeah. And she knew I'd deliver the message to you because then you would actually then take that message and do what needed to be done. And so then the circle is complete, right? She sees well, that for, it works. Right. I mean, for example, I tell this story all the time. Wheezy had never had any behavioral issues. And when I was very pregnant and Wheezy had been like your dog through all of it with me, she was my number one sounding board and my number one emotional support. Okay. My husband too, but you get the idea. Um, and, um, she all of a sudden before my babies were born, she started peeing in the house like incessantly. And it was crazy. We'd had her for, I don't know, nine, 10 years at that point, And this had never happened. And so Gillian helped me. I was like, something's going on with her. And Gillian said, Wheezy feels like she is basically a grandmother figure to these babies that she's really helped you bring them into the world. And she doesn't feel like you're respecting it as such. So you need to treat her or call her grandma, anything like this. So we, of course, being the Jewish family that we are, started calling her Bubby Wheezy. And I swear to you, she stopped peeing in the house. Once we started calling her <laughs> Bubby Wheezy, she stopped peeing in the house. And like my mind was blown, but it was so dead on accurate. Um, and I she tell also had all the time. Oh, I'm glad that you, that you do. I love that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's amazing. You know, oh my gosh, it, it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. But it did she crazy. not have an experience before where she was given up from someone who she was did. pregnant? Or... Yeah. So the she person, has some trauma. Yes. 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 That's true, too. That's totally true, yeah. too. Which um, then, honestly, is pretty miraculous that she was able to even overcome that just with that kind of recognition. That, right. you know, we're not going to give you away. You're a part of the right. family. Part of the family. You know, yes. Exactly. 
So in terms of fertility, just for anyone who's listening, because I send clients to you, some of my clients mm-hmm. who are going through infertility, yearning to become mothers. For me personally, you helped me through of several of my losses, two of them, one where it wouldn't leave my body. And we did a lot of energy work on why and what, what it represented and what I needed to do to clear it. How are you able to help people struggling with infertility? And I know that's a very broad question, but I guess how yeah. does this work serve that community? I'll tell you, I, I take it really seriously when somebody comes to me that's on their infertility journey because it's such an incredibly tender time. And I really allow I allow the guides to work through me um, because I don't have the answers. I, you know, the thing I want people to know is like, I'm not going to fix anything, you know, that's not in my power to, to fix really or change anything, but we all have growth and uh, a, a journey going on here. And there is, there, there, how do I explain it? There's, there's just this help that's available to you on whatever your path is to make it more clear to help you get to the place where things make sense where you feel better um, and you're able to look outside of this situation and just see a bigger picture I think in in many ways that's a lot of what I do is I allow for a a broader picture of what's going on, that you are not just this person in this body and the body's having this experience. And why can't I make the body do the thing that I want to do? And what's, you know, wrong with me? It's like, no, it's so much bigger than that. You know, we truly Mm -hmm. are energetic beings here. And not only are you an energetic being, but who, who's coming to you is an energetic being. And often needs things to change in order for that, you know, that channel to free up. And so Mm. I think I do a lot of that, like a lot of clearing of old stuff that could be hindering the process and is certainly hindering you personally Mm -hmm. because it just does. It hinders us all. And then also reframing what's happening in a way that has more space to allow so when you do a clearing, like sometimes I've called them and like, oh, I have this insane back pain and we'll work together and you'll give me a remedy and then you'll be like, give it X amount of hours and mm-hmm. it's going to be cleared. How do mm-hmm. you, how does that work? How do you clear okay. it? Well, so how that works is <laughs> okay. that, that, that works with these um, energetically encoded vials that I work with. So I tune into somebody um, with with them and with their energy field and then i i don't even look i kind of allow myself to go through and just ask which of these vials hat which usually have to do with an emotion uh some sort of trauma whether it's thoughts feelings or an issue or something that's happened in the past which of these has anything to do with this symptom of say the back And invariably these things come up and I tell the person and they ask, do do these things make sense? And they're like, oh my God, most of the time, you know, really it's like, that's right on. How did Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And then we, we work energetically to release that. And I just have a a system to help whether I'm in person. And now most of my work since COVID has really been online, but what's great is I'm able to work with people everywhere just mm-hmm. to release that stuff out of your out of your system and out of your space. But, you know, you can speak to it, you know, your experience about that really on the receiving mm-hmm. end as to mm-hmm. whether it works. It works. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I sometimes forget, like you'll say, you know, 72 hours or something and I forget that yeah. we've done it or I forget. And all of a sudden I feel lighter and I'm not in pain where I might have been in pain or not thinking about what might have been bringing me down. And I'm like, oh my God, right. It's been exactly 71.5 hours and, you know, right. whatever it might be. Yes. Um, the That's fact right. that you can work remotely mm-hmm. is so crucial to your being able to help people because like even for us during the the heart of the pandemic, when we weren't seeing anybody, 
we could just do a phone session or a Zoom session. Yeah. And like, what I love about it is you get me in a really relaxed state and my eyes are closed. So it's not even important whether I can see you or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It's just about that energy. Yeah. Because at that point, we're really working in this whole, in whole intuitive space. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so if people wanted to work with you or see what this is about, they can. Absolutely. Okay. And That's, um, um, what I'm here to do, it's a service, right? I mean, to know how to do yeah. this, you know, only, only makes sense is if you're going to actually do it and help people. Absolutely. That's how I feel about my work too. So I'll drop your email, but it's reiki to health at gmail.com, R-E-I-K-I to health at gmail.com. And I always say it's Gillian like girl, not Jillian like Jill. Um, but if people want to find you and I highly recommend that they do, uh, they should email you and you can, mm -hmm. you can schedule something with them. That's right. The Reiki to health, I just want to point out is a T-O, not a number two. Thank you. Reiki2health.com. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am always in awe of you as a friend because <laughs> you're the most unassuming witch I've ever met as far as I know. <laughs> That's but um, but you do make a really big difference and impact on people's lives. And I know I would not have wished what you went through on anyone, but that it was mm. part of getting you here for sure. And so for the people who can benefit from that, we thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So great to spend time with you, Abby. Oof, I just love that woman. And honestly, when we stopped recording, <laughs> the truth is... Gillian was like, girl, you look like you need some energy work. And she was right. And she did it two days later. And I have been feeling much better ever since. She just gave me a lot to think about. And what's helpful is that it just, sometimes like I suffer from anxiety and I have it pretty under control, but sometimes if I start spinning, I'm all over the place. And she just helps me focus on what should I be anxious about and what should I let go. And I need that sometimes. So I'm not going to talk too much now. I want you all to just let it sink in. I cannot recommend Gillian enough. Her email will be in the show notes. And if you're even just a little bit curious, go have a session with her. It's not like, you know, oh my God, in two weeks, it's doomsday for you. It really is just about fine tuning your body, your energy, what's going on in your life. Gillian, thank you so much for being here. And I actually did a podcast earlier this month with Natalie Poucher, who was fantastic. And she's going through her own infertility journey and wanted to have an expert on and so she generously had me on and we got to chat about her own situation and in terms of a viewer question we talked about what questions you should ask your fertility doctor and so it just reminded me i actually have a really great sheet of paper like a handout on the handout i don't know what do you call a sheet of paper these days uh document pdf download um on the questions that you should ask your fertility doctor and even if you're already seeing one these questions can be really helpful because sometimes you don't think to ask them until this particular issue happens to you. And so I try to preemptively give you all the things to ask for. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to The Fertility Chick. Please don't forget to write a review, five stars, wherever you podcast. It really, truly helps us out. And please follow me at Abby Feeder, at The Fertility Chick, at Encircle Fertility on Instagram. DM me. I love it all. And I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.